Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 334. Today, we want to continue in the primeval period, and what I'm doing is just hitting the highlights throughout these various periods. Because of the critical nature of these first two time periods, I have to lay a foundation for that which we will move through more quickly the other various time periods. But because so much is foundational, like creation, like the creation of man, and what we're going to look at today, the creation of the woman, and then the fall, the flood, and the divisions of the nations, and the calling of Abraham, which opens up the patriarchal period. It is critical that we understand these base foundational elements of the story of God. This is especially true today in that it is very relevant for where we are in our culture, in our society, as we are questioning even the very biological foundational elements of male and female. And so we must go back to the biblical record. And the biblical record, which is the foundation of all that we believe in our belief system, our worldview, and we will find that male and female were created equal in essence, that is, that they were created both in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. This is stressed over and over again, not just in Genesis and Torah, but throughout the entire Bible. God made male and female equal in essence. The ground is level with God. The ground is level at the cross of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done, there is no intermediary between man or woman and God. We can go directly to God. But the idea of role assignment, equality of essence, but differing in role assignments, role that is not R-O-L-L, but R-O-L-E, in the role, in the task and assignments of each one, the male and the female, they are different and distinct. And that is by God's design. And the only way we'll ever be fulfilled in this life as male or female is to take on what God has given us as a gift from God, not desiring to be a woman if you're a man, not desiring to be a man if you're a woman, but desiring to fulfill the role of the essence that God gave you and the role assignment that God gave you, the biological assignment that God gave you, because man has a purpose in that and woman has a purpose in that. So let's look at the text. The scripture says in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Now I spoke to this briefly in the last podcast, number 333. And the reason I want to just reiterate this once again is God created man on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. And that is to serve God. That's what the word tend 
T-E-N-D, in our translations, many of our translations, is to serve. It's the root for serve or to work. It's the whole concept, along with the next word, to keep it to watch over of a divine stewardship that God's given us. Work is good for man. Work is good for every one of us. And to not be able to get up and go to work and have a purpose of serving God and serving others. Listen, the joy of life is when we learn to serve God and to serve God through serving other human beings. To not serve dogs, not serve pets, not serve the trees, not serve the water, but serve each other. God made us in his image. And the way that we treat one another has a whole lot to do with how we view God. And if we view other human beings as created in the image of God, then we will give them respect and reverence. And that's what God expects us to do. He expects us to respect one another. And so he made us on purpose. And he made us for the purpose of working and having a stewardship of all the earth and to loving him, serving him. That's the root word here for tend. It's the word for servant in the Bible. One who works, one who works willingly, one who works with joy and delight. And when we work with all of our heart and we do it as unto God, not as pleasers of men, but to work and serve God with all of our heart, there is great joy and fulfillment in work. There's nothing wrong with work, and hard work is good for us. When we work physically, it helps us. It stimulates us. It releases hormones and all kinds of good things inside of our brains. But it also allows us to release tension and stress. So working out is great, but working is even better when we do that on a regular basis. And we have to work our emotions. We have to work our minds, our mental capacity. And God has allowed us to do that. So verse 16 says, Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. He said, I'm going to give you everything except one prohibition. One out of the thousands of things that God made. He said, I'm going to ask you to stay away. I prohibit you eating of one thing. Why? because it is for your own good. Now, why did God do that? Because man needed to learn to obey God, and that's exactly what God was teaching him. But he disobeyed. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Now, the word here, alone, means apart, separate. Separate from what? Separate from all of the other creation that God had made. You see, every species had a male and female. There was a part and a counterpart. And out of the ground, the scripture says in verse 19, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. Now think about this. I said earlier that 
Adam and all of creation was created with the appearance of age. In other words, they were fully mature and able to procreate, able to duplicate, replicate themselves, able to have a male and a female. And God only made male and female, not anything in between, not anything extra other than that. And so there are no classifications in the Bible except male and female. There is no she-male. There is no male-she. There is nothing like this whatsoever that is counterfeit. It is devilish. It is demonic. It is mentally corrupt. And it is a farce before God to even think that way. And so God brought these to Adam and said, name them. And he had the mental capacity to do this. Now, this I could go to the zoo in the city where I live in Knoxville, and I couldn't even give all the English names for all of the animals that I would see there. But Adam, everything that was in the garden, he named and he gave them unique names that applied to them. Now, that's mental capacity. And so the Bible says, so Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now, back in verse 18, God said, it's not good that man have no counterpart, that man is alone, that man of all of my creation does not have a helper, one that's suitable for him. Now, the word that is translated helper comparable to him, or in the King James, help meet, which nobody knows what that means. It meant something in 1611, but doesn't mean much to us now. What's a meet? M-E-E-T, help meet. And so I will make a helper comparable to him. That is a Hebrew word, ezer konegdo. Ezer konegdo. Ezer means helper. Konegdo means opposite. But it's the idea of looking at yourself in a mirror. It's the idea of being face-to-face with someone that's like you, that reflects you, that is the image of you. That's the whole word picture behind this. And he says, I will make a Ezer konegdo for him. I will make a counterpart for him. You see, Adam was the male. Eve was the female. It's like a a plug, if you will. Now, don't get carried away with this, but a plug, a male plug has prongs, okay? And a female plug has receptors. And if you keep them apart, they're not very valuable. But when you put them together, now you've got some power and electricity. I said, don't take it too far. And so I just want you to understand that this is important to understand, that it's not good for man to be alone. Now, does that mean that every man needs to get married? No, especially in the spiritual realm. The Bible says that the apostle Paul said, I would that all of you are like me. God had given him the gift of celibacy. He had the right to carry about a wife. He said, as the other apostles, which means the other apostles were married. And by the way, we don't read anything about their wives. We don't read about any kind of co-apostleship or any kind of co-pastor or anything like that. Not co-anything, but they were co-equal before God in standing. But each one had their own assignment. One was a part, one was a counterpart. Now you say, well, I don't like that. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. You do not say to the Creator, I don't like the way that you made me, because that will only bring about frustration because you 
You cannot change your DNA. You cannot. You were born a woman. You're going to be a woman. You were born a male. You you are going to be a male. Why are we even thinking about this except for the debauchery and the debasement of sin and the corruption of sin in the human race? And so he said, I'm going to make a helper like opposite him, one that's like him but different. You see, God made us distinct and different, and we need to embrace those distinctions. And so in verse 21, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. This is the first case of anesthesia in the Scripture, and it was divinely given. And he slept, and God took one of his ribs. Now, you have all this kind of thing about a man has one less rib than a woman, and all this kind. Listen, that's not even what this is all about. He took one of the ribs. That's the word sila, 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 sila. Just get that in your mind. That would be TZ or TS, depending upon your particular palate. E, long E as in they, say, say la, L-A. TS or T-Z-E-L-A. That's a long E as in they, say la. Now, what is a tsela? A tsela is a side. It is a cavity. It's the rib cage. It's, it's what the rib cage covers up. It is that inside. As a matter of fact, this word is used in Ezekiel. The same word, selah, is used in Ezekiel when he was referring to the great vision of the temple. And he said, all alongside uh, the temple was selah. That is, there were side rooms. There were side areas for storage and so forth. So the whole idea is that God not only took a rib, he took a whole side from Adam. Why? Because God was going to take part of Adam and make a counterpart for him. Now, I think it is instructive for us to understand just the very positioning of where God took this, that which was closest to man's heart. Notice he didn't take woman from the top of his heads, nor the sole of his feet. Why? Because she was not made to rule over. Over man. She was not made to be under man. She was made as a counterpart, one that would walk alongside of him. Now, does that mean they have the same roles? Absolutely not. But they have the same essence before God. God made them both in his image and in his likeness. And the scripture says, when he had done that, then he closed up the flesh in the place where he had taken that side. And then the selah, the rib, as the English versions say, the side which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Now, the word man is ish. I-S-H, ish, that short I sound, ish, it's almost like an E, ish. From the ish, he made into, from that side of the ish, he made that side into a ishah, I-S-H-A-H, I-S-H-A-H, an ishah. Man is ish, woman is isha. Now listen to this. To just help you to remember this, when he made man, he used just the word for to make, just to, to do, to make him. Had no artistic flair to it whatsoever, but the word that he uses to fashion the woman Fashion the woman to make the woman is the word that an artisan would use for making something beautiful. You see, God made a woman 
beautiful. God made a woman to be beautiful, to be feminine. You see, the word isha has that idea of softness. Now, what does that mean? That means femininity. You see, a woman needs to embrace her femininity and not try to be like a man. Well, I can do anything that a man can. I can do this. I can do... That's not your place. God didn't make you to do everything that a man does. And when you do it, it seems unnatural. And what are you doing? You're trying to be like a man. And you say, well, I don't want to be like a man. Well, you're acting like that. You want to look like him. You want to walk like him. You want to talk with him. And isn't this what we say, that flattery? What is flattery? It's the greatest compliment that one could give because you're saying, I want to be like you. And so what I'm saying to you is when God made us, he made us man. Man is that person that God put on the earth first to have fellowship with. And from that man, he made another one like him, but different, different in so many ways. And, you know, we laugh about men being from Mars, women being from Venus. It's farther apart than that in many ways. But in many ways, we are similar. We seek after God or we don't seek after God. We need companionship or we don't need companionship. You see, there are so many common threads between us, and God made us like that, and we need to embrace that. But the word Selah is side, and what was that all about? Well, the scripture says that God wanted to make an Isha. He wanted to make someone soft and feminine. And so embrace the femininity. There's nothing more attractive to a man than a woman being feminine and embracing her femininity. And uh, we're losing that in our culture because we're trying to make everyone unisex. There's no such thing as unisex. We're not one sex. We are different. We're not three different, four different, five different kinds of sexes or 50 different kinds of whatever you think you are and, and you're identifying as. You're either a male or a female. And by the way, that's not going to change no matter what the culture. You say, well, why are you talking about this? Because we've got to be salt and light. We've got to stand up and be counted for it. Listen, pastor, let me say this to you. If you are afraid to stand up and say a man is a man, a woman's a woman, and those of you who are trying to do otherwise, you are wrong and out of the will of God, then you don't have a gut in you. I'm telling you, you don't have a gut in you. You say, oh, I can't believe you said that. No, let me say it clear. You don't have one gut in you. You are a coward, sir, and you need to stand up and be counted. If you can't stand on the fact that there are two genders, then you need to resign and get out of the ministry. Because what I've got to tell you is God's word is the final authority to which we must appeal in every area of life, including gender. Finally, the Bible says that she would be called a woman, Isha, because she was taken from Ish. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Isn't this an amazing story? I mean, it just gets better and better because God is going to do an act of redemption that we're going to see in the days ahead. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.